Blog Talk Radio. September the 19th, 2013, you're listening to The Mind Whisperer on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Michael Gordon. Welcome to the program. Today on the show, we are going to be discussing the war on yourself. A lot of us, uh, I would say most of us deal with this issue of being our own worst enemy and how can we begin to change that relationship and recognize uh, how it's got a self-destructive quality to it and how we can get out of our own way. So before we get into the program, I just want to welcome you here if this is the first time you're listening to the show. Uh, We have been running since uh, last year, December 2012, on November to be exact. And I am broadcasting to you in the moment live, although you may listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio or uh, the download from iTunes. Uh, but we do run the show live here from uh, broadcast at a beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, where it is a sunny day today. I'm looking out at the mountains on the horizon and uh, the sun's shining early in the morning here. Wherever you are, I hope that this moment is treating you well. And I'm glad to have you here. If you are listening into the archive show, please share with your friends. We have a Facebook page, and it's facebook.com forward slash the mind whisperer. And all of our links are on the splash page here at Blog Talk Radio. So let's get right to the content of the show today. I'm just going to have a little chat today about this issue of uh, being hard on ourselves. And why is this uh, such a prevalent thing? You know, why do so many people have this difficulty with beating themselves up, with this self-destructive uh, inwards aggression? Well, the starting point really comes down to the common thread in this program, and that is the embattled self is really the illusion of, of some fixed identity that we uh, wrestle with. And to put it very simply, something goes awry in our upbringing, particularly because of the way um, we have kind of neurotic, narcissistic parenting in the West here. And um, we end up ameliorating a lot of our natural, authentic uh, needs and wishes and actions as we develop our personality under the gaze of our parents because there's a perceived um, code that we have to adhere to to get approval. And that's partly because of this whole chain psychologically going back to our parents' past, etc., and whatever insecurities and neuroses they have about being parents and the uh, focus our society has on being so materialistic and, and the expectations uh, 
of what that child's life will become, et cetera, et cetera. We live in a very complicated uh, world that is very performance-based and competitively driven. So no fault to the parents, but uh, many children grow up learning through their home environment or through school, uh, to and, and the young age is what we're really concerned about here, to uh, develop what's known as the false self. And that is to construct this uh, identity and this personality that gets the approval and reward of those around us, particularly the, our caregivers and the adults, which are a reflection of um, our perceived outcome and, and our success in the world. And, and at that age, it's all about survival. We're not thinking rationally. We're not able to separate out uh, our own uh, needs and um, psychological desires, etc. They're just very primal at that, at that stage. And so it gets wired in very early. And the second part of this is that if there are um, even perceived or real different, uh, disturbances at that age, what I would call tra traumas or uh, experiences of overwhelm, and trauma at that age, again, is very conditional because it is related to the sense of being okay and secure and nurtured and taken care of. And so trauma doesn't have to be what we call the psychological parlance, capital T trauma of a major incident. It can just be the slights and the neglect and um, perceived abandonment and hurt of a young child. Now, that's a natural occurrence. You know, I can, I can already hear some of you thinking and saying out loud, oh, this is, you know, just total hooey that, you know, our oversensitized culture and we're neurotic because we pander to every little uh, hurt and, and um, we oversensitize our children. Well, the problem is, is that that would be normal parenting. If we were guiding our children through the limits of their own emotional range, teaching them about their emotional ability and, and their um, capacity to um, bring their emotional reactions and their sense of self into a normal range of how they get along with other people and that there are other people and other people who have their own feelings and expectations and needs, etc., then you know that child is going to grow up with a normalized sense of responsibility, self-responsibility. But when those cues and when those silent uh, hurts and moments of, of confusion and overwhelm and perceived abandonment are uh, un, unheeded and undetected, because not every parent, in fact, most parents are not trained in any way to be parents. And they certainly haven't done their own work on their family of origin issues. So that leaves them very ill-equipped to catch those um, complicated um, gaps in the child's experience that may lead to them making up a distorted narrative about their, their place in the world. And that's where really things go really wrong. Um, as a psychotherapist and dealing with adults and young adults, uh, this is what I see pervasively in my clientele, is that the patients, you know, present with, you know, this low self-worth and sometimes personality disorders, so that these, they really have internalized these distortions from early childhood because, again, through no gross overwhelm or trauma or neglect or abuse, the parents have missed out or the child has been left um, 
reeling with some unresolved experience or experiences. And of course, now we're starting to see the, the widespread effect of that with bullying. And, um, you know, the standard thing is, you know, the boy gets bullied at school and the father comes home and the father says, you got to stand up for yourself, son, let me teach you how to box. But that doesn't tend to the child's, um, you know, the internalization of that bullying experience. And maybe that the, the child needs more than just to be told he has to punch and fight his way out of the situation and stand up for himself. And so what we're really concerned with is those internalized distortions or what we call cognitive distortions and negative beliefs about ourselves because they become foundational and coupled with the the actual physiological trauma of some of these experiences, crying yourself to sleep, uh, hiding behind the school, being shamed, being uh, assaulted, um, feeling alone in the world, they show up later in life and cause a whole uh, cavalcade of compounded negative life experiences that add up to being an adult and saying, well, this is who I really am. Look at my past and look at my life. And I am this person who is not whole and um, doesn't deserve love or whatever it is. So that's really the, the problem. That's the foundation. And it becomes very difficult for us as adults because we are the adult. We are now the responsible person to guide our way through the world. We're no longer relying on our parents, and we know this rationally as adults. However, if this is our experience, and we have the sense that we don't belong, or we don't have a place in the world, or the world is not for us, and we experience that sense of alienation, then if we are the one who is guiding our way through the world, we can't trust ourselves. And there's nothing more terrifying, I tell my uh, clients, that than to be that adult and to feel like we don't run the show, or that the person running the show is not trustworthy or likable. So really what this comes down to is a, is a fundamental uh, ground-level experience of shakiness about our self-worth and the belief uh, that we are, our experiences, the negative experiences we have, and that shame is who we are. Shame or, or undeserving to live or to love. And when people really spiral down, to that level of shame and, and beyond shame to the level of I don't deserve to exist, then the light goes out. Those are the people who really cannot grasp onto any positive um, hold on their life and disappear through suicide or self-destruction. But a great many other of us live and slowly die by a thousand cuts of self-injury and self-destructive um, thoughts. So, where does that leave us in terms of Joe or Jane Doe, those of us going through our day, we can function relatively well, but we have that aggressive attitude towards ourselves, and we notice that we fall into patterns and we and we uh, end up making mistakes in relationships or we're not happy in our job or we don't take care of ourselves and we have some bad habits with our health. So again, we really are in our own way. Even though we may be functioning from this happy-go-lucky false self, we really aren't uh, relating to our innermost child, if you will, in that unconditional way. There still is this sense of gap and distance between the, the one who's functioning and is the life of the party or the cut-up at work uh, or who's putting the false front on to our partner or our children 
and playing the role in our lives and, uh, and, and our deepest authentic feelings because it goes down to that root level, primacy level of safety that if we really say, feel, ask for what we need, we will be rebuked. And that may be associated with real experiences in our childhood where we had a distant or a shaming or a, a dismissive parent. And those experiences are actually wired in. And for some of us, it just may be the lingering sense that I never really got to express this part of myself, this authentic part of ourselves. And that's why, you know, the self-help movement has become so such a huge industry and so popularized and why we see self-help um, as such a big industry and and not necessarily an industry, but a, a boom in terms of need and the response from the public to some of the leading figures of popular psychology, if you will, or spiritual teaching like Eckhart Tolle or Deepak Chopra or Wayne Dyer or even Oprah, uh, who's kind of the queen of self-help, because there's a need for people to live and be authentically. And how funny is that, that, you know, we all have such extensive um, historical record and literature and history and uh, popular culture and anecdotal evidence that uh, through thousands of years that life is short and we should make the most of our lives. And yet most of us are living... not living the life that we think we should be living. And I don't necessarily mean that we all should be rich and famous, but that we don't necessarily act and behave in in an authentic, genuine way in our daily lives. That there is still, regardless of the bigger structure of our lives, the, the scaffolding on which we hang our our hat of work or identity, but even just the fundamental way we relate, the sound of our own voice, etc. You know, as a, as a performer as well as a musician and as a podcaster, you know, when you're starting out and you hear your voice back to yourself, it's disconcerting. And, of course, it sounds disembodied from you and it's a little strange and disconnected and you don't really usually hear yourself. But, for example, if you have a healthy self-worth, when you see photos of yourself and you're, you see photos of yourself starting from a very young age, you become used to seeing yourself in photographs. And if if you have a decent relationship with yourself, you, you don't, you're not hung up on it negatively or positively, but you, you can tolerate it. You don't mind. You think you actually look good in some photos and you're happy to take pictures. And the voice is a little bit different. And for people who are not used to hearing their own voice, uh, now we have um, digital um, voice recording for our phone messages, etc. So we're more used to it. But when I started out recording as a musician, um, it was very different. And, and you heard your voice back and it sounded weird and funny and kind of repulsive in some ways. And so you have to get used to that and learn and work with it much like you would with your own voice as a writer or seeing yourself on, on camera as an actor, etc., etc. And you have to work with that and, and build on it so that you are synced with it. And so that's what I mean by being authentic in the world, that our experience and how we see ourselves day to day no longer has that gap. We don't really have that revulsion towards ourselves. And that's the work of therapy and certainly um, any other self-help um, regime, and including uh, you know practices like yoga, or I also teach Aikido, and you learn to um, accept yourself. To, to end that war with your with the false self and the self who's hidden underneath. 
And that's what really is going to be inflamed and pushed um, in intimate relationships, for example, where um, you are suddenly now exposed to the other person and the other person has their, um, at the beginning stage, in the romantic stage of a relationship, for example, um, is really reaching out and saying, I adore you. I'm in love with the person that I see. And perhaps that person is still this kind of front, false self person. And you're realizing, oh boy, that at some point they're going to find out who I really am, the person that I'm, I'm hiding underneath that I'm not comfortable with, and then they're going to reject me. And we get into a whole other um, discussion there about um, how relationships are founded on this kind of romantic fantasy, partly because we are haven't done the healing work with ourselves before we get into a relationship and we are projecting our own inadequacies and our fantasized version of love uh, onto the other person. And so what will happen is the first time the person sees uh, the frailty and the uh, the imperfections in you, they may become shocked and you've been exposed. Now the cat's out of the bag and, you know, the, the jig's up and um, there's a sense of panic and um, fear and, again, aggression. A sense of uh, actually, in, a, in an almost infantile way, with that fantasy expectation of perfect love, there is the uh, sense of betrayal. This isn't what I bargained for. This isn't the person I was dating. Where is that person? Well, that person's not uh, gone, but they're not the entire picture. So as we come back to um, being our own worst enemy, uh, we can see why there is this sort of sense of um, division within ourselves. Um, And if you look at psychological disorders or even mental illness where, like, for example, schizoidal um, disorders like um, schizophrenia or dissociated identity disorder, which we used to call split personality, multiple personality, you can see how the self and the psyche fragments itself because it's not in in tune. It, it starts dividing and replicating into different um, mutations of itself because it's not integrated in a whole. And there's a terrific talk on TED Talks uh, from a woman named Eleanor Longan. And she is, I believe that's her name, is Eleanor. Forgive me if it's the wrong, if it's, that's not her name, it would be Elaine. I think it's Eleanor. And uh, she's a, a British academic now um, who got her master's at University of Leeds and she's pursuing a PhD in psychology. But she was a young student and um, started to develop schizophrenic symptoms and, of course, was um, categorized and diagnosed as being schizophrenic and um, put into an institution against her wishes and, um, you know, really shuffled into into that world of mental illness and medicated, etc. And she met a very kind and skilled therapist who got her to see that these voices she was hearing in her head were actually um, there to guide her in a sense that if she paid attention to them as aspects of her unmet needs or her um, uh, dissatisfied or uh, traumatized parts of her experience in her psyche, um, rather than just symptoms of an illness, um, that it might lead her to 
again, integration and healing. And that's exactly what happened. And she started to recognize them as almost like characters in a play, which isn't mean isn't suggesting that she's crazy and here and just has a drama going on in her head, but that they they are um signifiers of deeper hurts. And so much like um, you know, holistic medicine says, okay, you are not just a collection of symptoms of your body, your body's a holistic holistic system. And so if you're starting to experience symptoms, that tells you something's wrong with your immunological system or et cetera, et cetera. And so she essentially healed herself and did not need medication and um, was able to shuffle off the stigma of being crazy. So there's a very brief but um, intense kind of reduction of this relationship with the self and um, what its origins are. And, and so how do we work with this? How does this help us? Well, we start to recognize the kind of tragicness of the situation and that it's real and that this isn't just uh, self-help um, BS and that it's, uh, you know, you're saying fluffy affirmations to yourself, that it does um, really provide the ground for uh, a spectrum of, um, of um, disconnection within ourselves that that leads to at the end of the spectrum quite pronounced um, psychological disturbances and so it's important it's important we pay attention to it much like we would any other aspect of our health you don't want to ignore any other um, positive you know practices and regimes like sleep or nutrition or exercise that. Um, and, you know, your social interactions that are going to undermine you and your health and your happiness and quality of life. And so paying attention to your authentic self and what your needs are and maybe addressing some unresolved hurts from childhood are, are essential to um, your well-being and making sure that you're in tune, uh, much like you keep your car in tune or you take your pet to the to the veterinarian to get checked up. It's all part of the maintenance of being a human being. And there is still a very widespread sense of stigma around mental health that somehow, um, you know, you should just have it together. And much like other aspects of our health system, um, we wait until there's a huge problem and there's a, a very strong sense of denial in our culture about physical health. Um, there's an obesity epidemic. Um, for example, a lot of women don't recognize that they are very prone to heart disease and heart attack. And so we're becoming more and more educated, and the Internet is certainly making information more available, and the media is now much more um, diversified and available. And so hopefully that's leading us all to become more educated and self-aware on these issues. And your psychological health, your relationship with yourself, being your own best friend, this concept that's been around for hundreds and thousands of years through Buddhist practice um, is now creeping into the culture in a way that people are doing yoga and these kind of practices to take better care of themselves in terms of their mental or emotional spiritual fitness. And that really is the focus of this program. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Uh, the show is called The Mind Whisper because we're dealing with issues that relate to our mental well-being. And um, we don't have to wait till things are so bad that we fall apart. I mean, of course, that keeps me employed as a therapist. <laughs> but 
uh, our mental health and our emotional health and our spiritual life should be something that's ongoing and, and more acceptable and a priority in our, rather than our financial health or our um, social status, which still seem to be what drives us. Um, and all the data suggests that uh, the higher up you go in your economic status doesn't necessarily mean you are happier, not by a long stretch. And in fact, the positive life through research now uh, shows that uh, the highest stage of um, having a positive, happy life uh, means that you are doing something beyond yourself, giving back to society or doing something where you are really um, you know, engaged at a higher level. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's been my pleasure to host you today. I am Michael Gordon. And we'll see you next time on the program. You can find all of our back programs here on Blog Talk Radio or through iTunes. Take care of yourselves. Have a great day or evening, wherever you are. And we'll see you next time.